0: Why'd you hit that deer, man, at Pebble Beach, man?
1: I didn't hit the deer. Tiger hit the deer. Oh, it was Tiger that hit the deer? Yes, I threw Tiger into the bus. It wasn't me. It was Tiger that hit the deer. I almost hit a deer. (laughs)
0: Did you see that video? No. They're they're hitting balls. That's Spyglass, right? Yeah, and she was literally... I thought it was you.
1: That's why the (laughs) comment...
0: Yeah, she hits the ball. I don't know what. There was an <laughs> iron, and boom, there's a deer right there. The t- tiger hit it. <laughs>
1: tiger hit the deer. I didn't hit the deer. But okay, to everyone's defense, there are maybe like 100 deer on that range. And it's foggy. And it's foggy. Yeah. We're not aiming for deers. It just no, I know you're you're out there. But yes, I threw tiger in the bus. He hit the deer. Not <laughs>
2: Welcome to the Par 3 Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Jr. Smith. My other host, Ben Baller, Stephen Maubin. We have a very special guest. Not only is it our first professional golfer, but one of the most iconic women golfers of her generation. Uh, I don't think anybody has come up in, under the golf ranks of, I would say, as much Pressure and lights on as her five-time uh, winner on the LPGA Tour, Miss Michelle Wee. Hey. That was my first intro, by the way, and I think I did a damn good job. But I'm just going, I'm going to say that.
1: Oh, I'm honored. Thank you for such a kind intro.
2: No, absolutely, you definitely deserve it for sure. And for us, is you know golfers who try to strive to be anything but, you know, just a speck of what you and, you know, your colleagues are. We, we really respect what you do.
1: Thank you. You guys are all changing the game for the better. So thank you guys.
2: Well, you don't play as much anymore, I would imagine. No. But w- when when you do play, what's your favorite club in the bag?
1: You're going to laugh. Yeah. My favorite club in the bag, and it's been this way for the last couple of years, is my 11-wood
2: Yes, I have
1: an 11 wood in my bag. And it is the most reliable club in my bag.
3: What type of iron would that be? (laughs) Five
0: iron. (laughs) 11 wood. So what kind of loft is on an 11 (laughs) wood?
1: I have a lot of loft. I mean, this thing looks like a a lob wedge when you set it down. You can see so much face on that wood. But I can hit it low. I can hit it high. So I grew up in the wind. I grew up in Hawaii. And I always played in wind. I could hit anything low. So moving to the mainland, playing in no wind, I had trouble getting the ball up. And I would always play with this blade five iron because, you know, pride and everything. And I'm like seeing these girls, um, you know, who are who have all these woods in their bags. And at first, like, ha ha, you have woods in your bag. And then I would out drive them 50 yards and they'd be hitting, you know, woods in their bags from like 170 and hitting it closer than me than my wedges. And I'm like, okay, I need to approach this differently. And I started with a seven wood then I got a 9-wood, and then I got an 11-wood. And then I started to ask my club rep for a 13-wood, and my caddy's <laughs> like, just retire. Just, you're done. Just That's retire. It. This is it. This is a sign. Go go home. And your, your
3: irons <laughs> go up to a 6?
1: Yes. Yeah.
2: It's amazing.
1: I, I, you guys got to try it. Don't knock it till you try I it. Might. It is really easy to hit.
2: We need that. I, I mean, for us amateurs, I feel like, a lot of the times we choose the wrong clubs whether there's a driver that has eight degrees of law because we think it's just like oh mm-hmm. it's, it's going to go further through the wind and all of that and then guys in blades when they shouldn't be certain guys bring tour bags when they should bring stand bags but <laughs> that's another conversation <laughs>
0: it's for the show <laughs> okay i don't ever carry this out anywhere with the course
2: well i think that's like that's, that's very important you know picking the right equipment Take, still be able to take your pride out of it and hit mm-hmm. a hybrid or whatever, the, the right club, that says a lot. One of my questions is growing up in Hawaii, was there a lot of females who played the game? Because you kind of like changed the game for the young younger generation mm-hmm. of females who think the game is cool and like more trendy. Like, was there a lot of females? Did you grow up with like a lot of females playing?
1: Yeah, there actually was a lot of girls. I would say, I mean, equal amounts um, of girls and boys playing. Um, you know, there were some really good girls in my age group that were coming up with me. It was really fun. I mean, I would say the girls were more memorable, in my opinion, um, than the guys growing up in our in our age ranks. You know, the hardest part about growing up in Hawaii and trying to be good at golf is just the lack of tournaments. Yeah. People always were like, oh, why'd you play in a PGA Tour event? Well, it was because <laughs> that we didn't have really the funds to go to the mainland and, you know, travel on the AJGA and play in all these tournaments. So when I won the biggest women's tournament... Not um, junior tournament, but women's tournament. I won by 13 strokes when I was 12. I was like, okay, so now what? <laughs> so then I started playing in men's events. And that's kind of how I started playing into men's events. And then all of a sudden, the Sony Open, I saw this, you know, opportunity and like, oh, it's 10 minutes from my house. I'm like, okay, great. Let's try that. So when the whole like Sony thing happened, when I played in a PJ Tour event, um, you know, people made a really big deal out of it. But for me, I was like, oh, this is another tournament 10 minutes from my house that I don't have to fly to the mainland for. So, yeah, that was kind of the thought process, I and guess. And you
3: were 13? Yeah. 13 and she... she.
1: A 14 maybe?
3: And then you had to, what, make the cut? I mean, you had to, like, try out or something?
1: Um, I think I got a sponsor's exemption, which um, I didn't really understand, like, what was a sponsor exemption, what was not back in the day. Very grateful that I did. The cut was always plus one, like, back in the day. It was always at plus one. And I remember I had, like, a nine-foot pot in the last hole for birdie to get to plus one. And I made a birdie, and I fist-pumped and everything. I'm like, I made the cut. And all of a sudden, I got off the green and I was like, the cut was even. And I'm like, what the uh, fuck? Seriously. <laughs> you <made> that vibe. <laughs> I was like, God, these guys played really hard this week. Yeah,
2: that's amazing to be shooting those type of scores at that age. I mean, I'm striving to get anywhere close to that now, and I like my lowest round was a 70, and uh, I felt like I was in a, a boxing match trying to get that 70. Like when you're <laughs> when you're that young, do you realize how good you are?
1: No, I think that's the uh, the greatest thing about being good when you're young. You don't think about anything. You have zero fear. I had zero fear as a kid, and and that, unfortunately, I think was a learned thing as I was getting older. I look at all these young kids playing golf, and it's just, I have a sense of envy because, you know, they don't have experience. And I mean that in the best way. They don't have experience to feel fear. They just go out there and play completely fearless. I think that was just one of the things that, unfortunately, that that held me back a little bit was, you know, I started getting injured. I started feeling, like, physical pain, and then the fear of pain, and and then not playing well. And it's like the fear of not playing well. And you know, I had a lot of ups and downs, a lot of really lows, lows in my career too. Um, which I'm really proud of myself for getting out of it. But I think when you're younger and you're playing well, that's the best part of it. Is that you're fearless, you're cocky, you think no one could beat you.
2: Yeah. For which sure. is an amazing
1: mentality to have. And I hope I I wish I had kept that. You know, I'm also grateful for the life experiences that brought me here.
2: Absolutely.
0: I mean, you never had fear ever at any tournament. You just Like even later on at 19 or 20 years old? Oh, I had
1: a lot of fear at 19, 20. A lot.
0: And so what do you do like at at the T, first T, like what, I mean, how how do you overcome that?
1: You know, it's funny, the first T, no matter what, I'm always still so nervous, but I kind of reframed it, shifted the mindset where I'm happy that I'm feeling nervous. It is a privilege to feel nervous because once you don't feel nervous, that just means you don't care. And I remember like when I played my last Eos Open, I did feel less nervous, which which really I felt that it was the right time to retire because I just wasn't out here really, really gunning it to win every single time. I just kind of reframed it as like, OK, this is a privilege to feel alive, to feel this nervous, to feel like you're going to want to throw up every time you step <laughs> onto the tee. Um, and it helped. I mean, I also started using a metronome, which helped as well. Have you guys tried that? Mm -hmm. So when you're practicing, when you're not nervous, that is your natural rhythm. And when you start getting nervous, you 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 usually get faster. Everything that you do, you move faster when you're nervous. And for me, I felt like my swing got faster, my putting tempo got faster, I started walking faster. So in my practice session, I started using a metronome, and I forgot what number it was. But let's say a round number, it was 70 beats per minute. And it was like my full swing, my putting, everything was to that beat. And I noticed when I was listening to music, that beat per minute per song was changing. So I felt like my entire rhythm was changing because of that. So when I started using the metronome, I would just turn it on from when I just start putting. So I would try to walk that pace, swing that pace, move that pace. And it just really helped me to ground myself when I did get nervous. So might be a good thing to try.
3: It's amazing how I can like hit balls even now. Like I'll go in the range and I'll say You know, I try to practice swing at like 60% and then hit a full shot at 80%. And so I go on the range and I'll hit like, you know, like seven to eight in a row, whatever club it is at 80% perfect. And then I'll just hit one like 120%. (laughs) It's like, I'm not even playing for anything. I'm just hitting balls on the range and I can't even control it. Let alone like the pressure of you're talking about, like it's so your brain so quickly goes back to like, just like, why do I go from 80 to 120 in one swing? For no reason at all like on it's the range fun. yeah but it's like I'm I, I'm not trying to do it <laughs> yeah. it's, like, it's only fun if you try to do it if I'm trying to swing 75% and I go
2: 150 it's like this is wrong with me
1: <laughs> golf <laughs> is
2: humbling really no is. for sure 100% so when you were like obviously a young phenom like how does how did your parents help you with that process
1: Oh, they helped me with everything. They really kept me grounded. And you know, I was fortunate, um, that I I mean, we all grew up in the time where we didn't have social media. Right. You have to do the AOL like modem, like, Mom, get off the phones, I'm on aim, you know. We all went through that era. These kids nowadays don't know any of that. So I was fortunate when, you know, I was playing in PJ tour events. I didn't there was no Instagram or Twitter. There, you know, mean people couldn't reach out to me unless they physically wrote me a letter or um, some mean reporter wrote a mean article about me, like, and unless I signed on to AOL and Googled my name, which I never did. So fortunately, like, I was pretty sheltered. My parents never took me out of school. I had an opportunity to go to ING Academy full-time, but my parents, they put a real emphasis on my social life and on my normal life. They try to keep me normal as much as possible. So I went to my normal high school, my normal middle school, had my normal friends who still to this day know nothing about golf. And they made the conscious decision. They're like, okay, you can turn pro, but you have to go to college. I was like, you can turn pro, you can do whatever you want, but you're going to university. So I thought that was a really important message to send to to me.
2: That's that's powerful. You and like you and I come from a similar similar lifestyle, being able to have so much success, you know, very early, and then to be able to you know retire when we're we have so much life left, and you know have kids now. Like, what has this, this timeline been like for you since you retired to like now? And don't talk about the championship. I want to hear about it. <laughs> I um, about it. it
1: was really fun going to the parade <laughs> last year. <laughs> 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 Go Dubs. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I, I definitely had like identity crisis moment. I was like, who am I? I mean, I spent my whole life being this one identity and on that now all of a sudden I'm like, okay. Who am I? Do people even care about me? Why do I even care about people caring about me? Like, I don't care, but I do care. And it was like this whole, like, mental thing. I also, if you can not tell or not, I overthink. I'm a very big overthinker. I have major anxiety, but we shall get to that later. Um, Now I garden, though. I focus on things Mm. that I couldn't do while I was playing full time. Um, Gardening was, like, a big thing that was up there for me. Playing other sports. I play pickleball. But it's been a lot of fun just hanging around with my daughter um, and... Not having to grind, (laughs) I have to say, like, not going to physical therapy for two hours and then going to work out for two hours and then working, I mean, practicing for six hours. I mean, it was really enjoyable when I was in the grind, but I think I knew it was time to retire when I just didn't want to put in the work.
2: right. Because yeah, I feel like for us, we you know, especially when you when you're younger, you love it so much, you don't even realize mm-hmm. you're working on it as much as you are. Yeah, it's just so you know, you're so in love with the process, and then when you turn a pro, you start to realize, okay, this is a job. Like I gotta like mm-hmm. this is how I feed my family. And then after a while, that that urge and that itch just for the just for the love of the game starts to dwindle because obviously. Life happens. Mm-hmm. So you yeah. have kids, you get meet somebody, so mm-hmm. many different things. And it's just like, you know, for me, I've always wondered how people like us who has success early and then re- still retire at, the, you know, the 35, 33, 32 years old and, you know, go throughout life. Because it's hard. It's not like, like again, for me, I, I play basketball since I was three years old. I was a professional at 17, mm-hmm. played till I was 33, 34 years old. I have so much life to go. And I sit here looking like, I'm a basketball player. I should be playing basketball. Like, what do I do? I got kids. Like, and I find myself. I found myself in such a dep- depressed state at times just because I didn't feel, I didn't know where I was at. I didn't know who I was. I didn't mm-hmm. know what I was supposed to be doing. You know, it's encouraging to hear from Somebody like yourself being better and getting through it to know that I'm not alone in this fight because I know a lot of my peers are and they just won't say it. It's like, bro, yeah. how you doing? It's like, oh, I'm good. I'm just like, you know, it was like, bro, you're <laughs> just playing basketball for 20 years and all of a sudden you're just not playing. You're good. Like yeah. how, you're not good. Like you're dealing with it, but yeah. you're not good. You yeah, know? it's
1: weird for sure. It's uh, I do have to say, though, it is nice. Kind of knowing how predictable my day is gonna be. Yes. Because I don't know how, if you felt this way, but my anxiety got really bad my later years in my playing. Where I just I got anxiety because I didn't know what my day was going to be. It was either I was going to have a fantastic day. I was going to have a great day of golf. I was going to shoot 67 and just feel so excited for the rest of the day or I was going to play bad and just depressed. have a miserable day. Yeah. And I would just that just gave me anxiety knowing that either I was going to be extremely happy or just extremely miserable. And it's just it's nice now. I mean, I have to say I don't feel the highs of the highs of winning tournaments or shooting 67 under pressure. But it's nice just knowing that my day is going to be okay. <laughs> right. Every day, just okay. Yeah. I kind of like good. it. kind of like yeah, it. It's so nice.
0: I hear yeah, that. That's... So the only thing that I have in common with you is that we're both Korean, right? So, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> did you grow up in a really traditional Korean household?
1: I did, yeah. I didn't speak English until I went to preschool. Oh, yeah. shit. I didn't know that. Okay.
0: I mean, was, was your dad like the typical Korean, like, at the most typical Korean household like was your dad like really strict
1: my dad and I don't hug
0: yeah, yeah. No, my mom like never said I love you like it was yeah. never like no affection yes yeah,
1: it was, it was, yeah. <laughs> hugging is awkward yeah
0: <laughs> so how do you feel about like um the evolution of Koreans in in, in, in professional golf now like from when you started in being early on like I don't know was it like KJ Choi maybe and Park Sari, po- obviously yeah uh-huh like into yeah. now like Tom Kim like but mm-hmm. like, like what do you feel about how many like Koreans are showing up now in the LPGA? Like, what's your thoughts on all this?
1: It's so amazing. I mean, I I remember seeing Sarah Park win the, the US Open and that being like a moment for me being like, oh, I can actually do this on tour. I can actually make a living out of this because it's, it's one thing to see white males. It's one thing to see, you know, white women play it's another thing to see an actual Asian woman especially if they're Korean and at that time you know Chanho Park for the Dodgers was there and it's just like really cool was, I've always wanted to be an athlete and it was so cool seeing people that look like you from the same background making it in America I mean I come from an immigrant family and that's the American dream right you know and it was just so cool to see that and believe that you know I think it's amazing um especially on the men's side seeing a lot more Korean men um playing and doing so well and winning golf tournaments and not getting ostracized, I guess, being welcomed is another really amazing thing. You hear the story, the articles of, you know, I guess I forgot which... It just—I forgot which uh, players it was, but one player invited another player to their Christmas and.
0: Oh yeah, uh, Jordan Spieth invited uh, invited uh, Tom Kim.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I thought that was like so special because this tour is getting so global. Everyone's accepting different cultures and getting along. I would always get this question um, when I was younger about South Korean LPGA players being like, "Why are Koreans so good at golf?" Like, in a tone where. <laughs> Not me. You know, like, I'm just like, uh, I don't know. Kimchi power, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> I would always say the wrong answer, too, which now pisses me off. I'd be like, oh, they work really hard. Like, why I chose to say that makes me angry now. Because I was just like, I guess, I don't know. Like It just, you kind of play up. into the stereotype, yeah. I guess. Like, that Asian people work harder. It's like the the model citizen stereotype. And I was playing into it. I felt like there was a time where, you know, the LPGA was trying to shut out. Anyone that wasn't from America, you know, and now we've Damn. accepted that we are a global tour. We go to so many amazing global spots and it's it's been a work you know, to get to this point. And I'm just, it's so amazing to see our players go over to Korea and actually like order real Korean food and like love Hell it and yeah. search for it and go to Thailand and order like real Thai food. And, and you know, I think food and culture just brings people together. And it's just so amazing to see, you know, how global both tours have gotten. Now the PGA Tour, as much as I feel like as a woman.
2: How do you feel about like the the state of like apparel in women's golf right now?
1: I think it's great. You know, I think, That golf is such a beautiful sport, but it's also a very ostracizing sport. And it makes, I think it's a very classist sport. Like it, you know, the first thing that you see when you go to a a Muni golf course, I don't know if they still have that. But I remember always being like, no denim is like the first thing. No skateboarding. No, like it's it's a list of nos, right? And I think with fashion, with clothes, I think that really opens up the game. Um, and and I think fashion is so important in golf because originally you know, it was polos and khakis and and all of that. But I think with fashion, you bring in that streetwear, you bring in you know more people to come and play golf. It makes the game younger. I think in women's golf in particular, I'm just glad that more companies are spending more money into women's fashion. I remember growing up, I would have to wear men's clothes. I'd have to wear a men's polo. There wasn't any female polos out there. So I'm glad that's that's shifting, and more money is being put into that, and people are pushing the boundaries. And I think you should always do that with fashion.
2: How do, how do you think we continuously grow the game for women? Because I have four daughters. Like I wanna I want my daughters to play now. Like I want them to be out there with me playing. So when, when I'm 80 and they're pushing me down the fairway, I want to, I want to <laughs> be chasing them, being their caddy, pretty much. How do you like? in your mind, like what would you do to continuously help grow the game?
1: It's a great question. I think just making it less intimidating. I think in all sports across the board, I think the dropout rate for girls is way higher than boys, um, for unfortunately. And I think you just have to make it fun. You have to make it less intimidating. I think finding more female coaches are, is helpful too. I think a lot of times a game can be really intimidating then having to learn from a, a male might be more intimidating for girls. So I think just having... More girl support, you know, I think the PGA Junior League is a great asset for junior golf. Having a team event, just having a group of girls get together and play golf is a lot of fun. So I'm working on some stuff that I can't share right now. But, you know, I think democratizing the game, getting more girls to get into golf, getting more just people in general to get excited about the game is something that I'm very passionate about. So um, hopefully soon I'll be able to share what we've been working on, but I'm very excited.
2: Well, I'll be tuning into your podcast to, to see what
0: that's <laughs> <Yeah>. about. <laughs> Four sure, daughters, whatever. man. So, who was more like the. Where'd you get more of your golf advice or influence from? Your mom or your dad? Or was it.
1: My mom um, was in the pageant world. She was Miss Korea. Um, oh, wow. She was a dancer. So, I really leaned on her for advice. I would always make fun of my dad. He's a He was a professor. I was like, you don't know what this feels like. <laughs> you don't know the pressure. <laughs> He's like, you're just a nerd. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I think both of them, they both kept me really grounded. My dad was a statistics professor, so he kept all my stats. Unfortunately, he gave me a lot of lectures on that. Um, so this is what you should be doing better. But it was, it was great because I am not that way at all. So it was nice having, you know, someone on my team and my family that did all the math stuff for me, Then um, I just go out there and play. Hold
0: on, your mom played golf though, was she playing golf when you were a little kid as well still?
1: Yeah, so my, both my mom and dad played, my dad was a two handicap, my dad, my mom was a four handicap, um, and they would go out and it was really serious, they would play in these like couple tournaments and they would fly all across the line <laughs> and play, and then all of a sudden, I didn't like really catch on when I was really young, but all of a sudden they would just like drop me off at my friend's house, right? you know, Asian parents were like, no sleepovers. I'm like, why am I here? They must be doing something really fun without me. So I figured out that they're playing these couples tournaments without me. And I was like, why are you leaving me? I just want to be with you guys. So I would beg them and they would take me out. And all I wanted to do was drive the golf cart. But then they left me in the pro shop and ended up folding clothes, <sighs> the pro shop with the people. <laughs> when I was, <laughs> But then I finally got invited to go out and play with them. So it was great.
0: Well, like at what age did you start becoming like we you beat them? Like uh, your
1: dad I beat my dad when I was seven. Oh, wow. What? Yeah.
0: And he was a two handicap? You beat
3: him. He when chokes,
1: though. S- <laughs> chokes under pressure. I just
3: got beat. Remy's 11, and he just beat me, and he shot one over at the, at the hay up oh, there, right. and I shot like three over or something, but he was one under after four, and I was wow. like one over, and then I just couldn't catch him. <laughs> I just couldn't catch him. Gets in your head. Yeah, I couldn't catch him. Wait, so what is Remy playing for right now? Same as me. Wow, I mean, if he plays like a big course, he'll play from the women's tee. But if he plays a par three, he
2: plays just wherever
3: we play.
1: That's awesome. It's fun yeah. meeting your parents. It's a yeah. Special day. I could imagine.
2: My dad used to play, and he he can't play anymore. But I wish, like, when I was 12, 13 years old, my my dad and my uh, my, my brother was playing. My dad played. My uncles played. My grandfather played. I wish I could get that time back and just like and go play with them. I wish. Do any of your daughters play? One, they two of them play, but they don't like. They're not consistent with it. Like they're really consistent with volleyball, gymnastics, uh softball. They re- love softball, and you know, golf is like you know. I'll go do it if dad wants to do it. It's not like yeah. okay, yeah, yeah take me to the golf course. It, yeah. You know, oh dad, let's go get hit balls. It's like, nah. It's what like, about I'll, I'll your you. your child? Are you looking um. toward that?
1: She doesn't have the patience for it yet. She really likes hitting. Doesn't understand the concept of putting whatsoever. And I'm like, oh, you're my daughter for sure. <laughs> <laughs> she just like picks up the ball and puts it in the hole. I'm like, no, you got to hit it in the hole. And she's like doesn't. This is understand. Easier. Yeah, this is easier. Yeah. Makes sense. Um, she loves basketball. She loves um, soccer, tennis, or pickleball, I guess, right now. But yeah, she loves sports. So we'll see which one she chooses.
0: Mm. Damn, you're not gonna force her like a typical Korean parent. Like that's what you're doing.
1: <laughs> no, I mean, no, I'm being serious. Am I lying? No. Like
0: that's how <laughs> yeah. it was. That you This is what you're doing.
1: Oh yeah, I, I was forced into piano lessons. Oh my
0: god, I, I was just gonna say I had a piano auntie. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like oh my god, it that's was geez. awful.
1: Pianos, I just hated it, but she loves it too. So I'm like, okay, whatever, whatever floats your boat. You could do whatever you want.
0: Jr. Asked earlier what your favorite club in the bag was, right? But and I'm thinking like, what is your least favorite club in your bag?
1: Um, I don't have one.
0: That's what I said earlier.
1: Yeah, I like all my clubs. I don't think you should if see my five iron was my least favorite club. So I replaced it. Now it's my favorite club. Yeah. So you should if if you have a least favorite club in your bag, it should be gone. You should need it replace Just Get rid it. of it. When I did play though, I had a bag of like ball markers and it would like shake it up. So it was like, give me the lucky one. And if it was like I had always had the Stanford one. One side was red, one Ugh. side was white. And <laughs> shut up. And the uh, cow, but go on. <laughs> Go card. Um, I felt like if I was playing bad, I was I would always like flip my ball marker to the other side. I was very superstitious, but I don't really have like. I guess I collect hats. I don't know. I'm nah. not much of like a golf course nerd, or like I don't doesn't. Yeah,
2: I gotta be a nerd though. That's cool. Don't How worry about it. no nah, cool. that's all good. You no, no, that's cool. He's, he's like, like
0: 15, no, like 20 sets of irons. Like he's hey crazy. man, yeah, we are to talk about me right
2: now. We <laughs> talk about Michelle. We right here, boy. <laughs> Okay, so you you brought up something real interesting to me because obviously playing professional, we all have our superstitions, and it's like I'll tell you what mine were, but I want to hear some of yours. No, I want to hear your, yours first. No, nah, I'm not gonna talk about mine. We're okay. here to talk about you.
1: No, I want to hear yours.
2: One for one. Yeah, one for one. Okay, so I, so I used to literally every game for probably, i stopped doing it in Cleveland because they got mad at me. So I used to work out before, right before our meeting. And we used to work out so hard, go sweating, go hard, and the meeting would go. And I never used to make it in time for the national anthem because right after that, I used to take a shower. I used to take a shower and I got to get like, completely feel completely clean in order to play the game. And I was like, one of my, superstitions but okay. it wasn't that interesting but
1: i'll start with my least weird superstition i never wear all white because i wore all white once and i missed the cut so
0: mm, that was it
1: i didn't blame my play playing yeah, my outfit it must have been yeah, yeah i saw that yeah.
0: tonal commercial ad you did you're wearing all white in there. Yeah. i know it's
2: a commercial it's different but
1: <laughs>
2: you know what i hated whenever if i had it going and i was making a few shots and normally, like, there's always a water boy or some, somebody behind our, our uh, behind the bench, and they touch me with the uh. water bottle. And, like, I feel like I'm hot. I'm going off and out of nowhere, just no no matter where it's at. It could be in the <laughs> back of my neck. It could be over here. It could be over there. It's just... <laughs> and then, sure enough, I'm going to miss the next two shots. Yeah. I'm coming back. <sighs> what the
1: fuck are do you doing? What the fuck are do you doing? Wait, why... um
0: unintentionally, right? It's just like... No, cold super unintentional. Like, oh, super tap them on the shoulder with a like, cold bottle of water.
2: Like, I got, like, a lot of the times, you, would, you wouldn't even see me sit down because I didn't even want... Like, I don't want no towel. Oh, I don't you're heating up, so you nothing, don't want anything yeah, to cool like, you down. I don't want nothing. To, I get and that. And Im- immediately, it would just like... Uh, my whole body would turn like misty freeze and I'm like,
1: <laughs> fuck, bro. I get, I get that, though. Um, I would never write my fours like... I, to, I don't know how to describe this vocally. Like the triangle type four? Yeah, triangle type four. The I would have to do type. like the, yeah, field goal four.
2: Mm.
3: Why?
1: I, I don't know. I don't know. That's, that's, like, on the, paper that's if, if you're Honestly, writing like a check, scorecard. you would write
3: it like a triangle?
1: I think I've now always do normal four yeah. now. Yeah. But yeah, I, I wouldn't like accidentally write a triangle four on my scorecard. and like, oh, shit. <laughs> like something bad's going to happen now. <laughs>
0: Jesus. Well, you know, I was going to have you on my, uh, I remember I asked you, I was going to have you on my, my solo podcast and that's a business show technically, but really it's unorthodox. But it's something I always ask and I was like, interested, like y- you got signed, you were 16 I think, you got signed with Nike and Sony and at 16 you're a millionaire, right? What's like the first thing, what's the f- first big purchase you bought at
1: that time? I didn't buy anything. My
2: parents ain't going for that, bro. <laughs> you ain't
1: here. My yeah. parents I, ain't going for that. I didn't have a. I didn't have a bedroom growing up. It was like I had like it was like a part of the living room. Then I had like a screen that went over. Still lived in that same bedroom. Didn't buy a car.
0: Wait, hold on. After the de- like, even when you got the deal, you were still living in that same mm-hmm. place.
1: Yeah. Damn. Didn't do any. Yeah. I still had a debit card, which I found out had like a $500 a month um, allowance. And I didn't even know because I didn't spend that much. What um, was your first car then? Tell me, tell me what it was like. Well, <laughs> my first car, I didn't technically buy it. I was gifted a Jaguar. So I was this like freshman in college <laughs> driving like a Jaguar. Like, you know, the one that's like the Aston Martin. I forgot what the, is the x Coupe. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, I was driving X-Camp, one of those. Yeah. It was a Baby Blue's. In Palo Alto, you were pushing that around? Yeah. And I was like, I can't do this. I was like, this is too showy. That's bother. (laughs) So then I I signed a deal with Kia, and I was driving a Kia Soul um, for a while. But my first car I ever purchased was a BMW X5, which I still have.
2: Damn, Michelle. No no crazy spending. Nothing that's... I love it, man. Shit, getting it for free. Shit, sign yeah. me up. Let me do a kid deal with you next time. <laughs> Let me know. I'll be the person in the, in the rat I pack was, in the back.
1: I mean, I also signed with Omega, too, so I was gifted watches, so I never had to. Omega's <laughs> dope. That's, yeah. a, so watch. that's yeah. a That's an yeah. a-
0: Excellent timepiece.
1: Yeah, it's dope. C- it's great. <laughs> She's probably, right?
0: okay.
3: She's like, hey, what yeah. about there's a Champions Tour? Is there such things for?
1: Yeah, it's called the Legends Tour. It's nowhere like the PGA Tour, but hopefully one day. I'll get up there and no I'm not playing you're never
3: gonna do it <laughs> no but no one's looking to do it or is it like
1: I think some ladies I think do it think the Champions yeah. Tour, like a lot
3: of people do it right yeah
1: I mean if it was let's say if it was just like the Champions Tour, where we're playing for three million dollar purses every week there's no cut I can play in carts yeah sign me up
3: yeah oh wow <laughs> but it's like wait Tour Tours like in cart John Daly's in a cart if he wants to if he maybe. wants to oh yeah. so he is
1: there's no cut Really? There's a lot of distortions. Yeah, they 50. let like
3: Jesper like goes and plays in them certain ones just because he's, you know, Yesper part yeah, of it. Three so, like, day
1: tournaments. Yeah,
3: VJ's playing.
1: Yeah. It's their it's their retirement program.
0: So with the women it's different. It's not as appealing.
1: No, yeah, I, I get it, but like, if
0: it says lit and it's like pretty close, like comparable purse wise and everything, would you go out I'd there consider and consider it? it?
1: Yeah. No cut, three day events. I don't know. It might be fun. In carts. I don't oh. want to walk anymore.
0: <laughs> I mean, what'd you shoot your last round?
1: I don't know. I remember. What's the most
3: under par in one round? Life, Um, lifer. How many under? I
1: don't know. I don't really like... 79? Keep score but when it was I normal don't in to tournaments. Shoot five, seven, on yeah, 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 yeah. My Very lowest normal. score in tournaments was sixty-four. I never was a type of player that shot really low. I would always win on golf courses that was hard, and the long, the winning score longer wasn't ones. as low. Like I yeah. never did well in tournaments where the winning score was like minus thirty-two or something like short, that short and like them yeah. just picking
3: it off. It was yeah. the hard, longer ones mm-hmm. with wind.
1: Yeah, with wind.
2: Yeah, yeah. give <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> it low. Obviously, winning a tournament, any tournament is hard. But when you win in the harder tournaments and stuff like that, it's got to mean like it's got to feel you know rewarding.
1: Yeah, like when I you know won the major at Pinehurst, it was just it was so rewarding. Not because I achieved my dream of winning a U.S. Open, but winning it at Pinehurst, like a yeah. notable golf tur- golf course, um, that just meant more to me. But With yeah, the Payne winning-
3: Stewart statue and all exactly. of that over there. Yeah, that 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 course is really. I been mean, wanted to play it, man. Want to go the, it's Carolina. basically like the guy wanted he put it in from like fifty yards in.
1: Oh wow, yeah. He
3: just because these greens are like on mounds. Uh-huh. Fifty yards or fifty feet. Fifty yards. Like fifty yards in, he was just putting it and yeah, we put it up. You
1: can put from anywhere there.
3: Yeah. And basically the greens are like on mounds. So like mm-hmm. if you fly it in, it might hit and bounce off the back or it'll like check and suck up off, off the front. So for you to win there, it's like, yeah, it's like...
1: It was awesome. I can't
3: imagine, like, everyone around where that clubhouse is and the oh, stands yeah. and, like... It was, it was pretty loud. you wild. have your photo in Pinehurst? You must. I think so, I can't wait yeah. to go see it. <laughs>
0: yep, 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 Pinehurst it has six courses, right?
2: Maybe eight or eight. ten by now. Well, they're
1: building, I think, ten right now. I just heard. Yeah. You played play in the 10th. Right? I haven't.
2: You haven't We're played going. played Pinehurst? I you. <laughs> I'm down the street and I haven't been there. I know, man. Oh, my I know. gosh. I'm working
1: on it. You have to go... It is like the golf mecca in the U.S., it's say, it's, cool. pebble.
3: it's even more of the mecca than than Pebble, in it because there's more courses and it's older and yeah. like it's like uh, it's insane there. Yeah, I love it. i early COVID. I went to Virginia for like a year to hide out from L.A. and uh, I was going down there constantly because yeah. it's like it's like Pine. It's like I don't know an hour and a half, two hour drive yeah. or something. Like ripping down and then I played all of the like. Uh, I played like four, and I played three, and eight. You can take a cart, so you could play like walk two in the morning, and then go get a cart and play eight like the next day or something. What mm-hmm. he just said? What
0: he said? We're going over there a ton of Michelle sent us.
2: Yeah, exactly. For sure. They Tell know her sense, around there. They know her. There's there's they are bells there. around there. You know what I'm saying? <laughs>
1: It doesn't happen in a lot of places, but I got, think I got some Oh, I, I was
3: playing at Sabonic like a few months back, and this guy I was playing against, I, had, I played two days, and so he was my partner one day, and he was not very good. And then the next day I was playing against him, and, and he was putting like, it reminded me of the way you used to putt, right? Where his like back was like almost flat. Uh-huh. So he started this putting technique that looked like her style, and he just started making putts like left and right. And so then I remember I was like, I don't know everything was good. till this guy turned into fucking Wheezy over here. I just kept <laughs> saying that shit. And then like uh, only two of them knew what I was talking about. And they still call him it now. They still call him that Wheezy way. because of that day. I'm like, what's up? How's Weezy?" They're like cracking up. Like that's just his name. One oh, day gosh. putting. He just started bending over really far and like putting his elbows like that. And then he's like making putts. So then he didn't stop <laughs> doing it. Like fucking Wheezy's out here crushing
2: <laughs> us again. If I can make putts right now. I'll use it too. All
0: of us are like, obviously, super, we got the bug real bad and super golf nerds. I think there's gonna be a lot of people who are non-traditional golf fans that are tuning in and new golfers and things like that. Like, where would you say your um, favorite golf course was to play at at, on on the tour? And then what was your favorite course to play off the tour?
1: I think on tour, I mean, I guess not golf course wise, but I always love the West Coast swing because it brought me back to the West Coast. Um, And then we don't unfortunately have the tournament there anymore, but at Mission Hills, we had um, the ANA at Mm -hmm. Dinah Shore. That was really special. That was like our Augusta. Um, So yeah, that tournament was always special. Um, I think off the tour, I don't know. I don't really... Know that mini golf course is funny enough. Oh my god!
0: Have you played in Korea yet or no? Yes, yeah. Okay,
1: Korea great. Pl- can
0: you please tell them
1: what oh, golf in Korea is like? Oh, you guys, please? have you not played? Yeah. No, you have. No, have you know. played golf in no. Korea yet? Oh my, it is an eating extravaganza. There's like a like a comfort station every um, four holes, maybe, and it's like full like eating like tell them about the turn. just chicken feet everything and, like, drinking and you have golf carts that just walk on, like, go on the cart path without you. The caddies, like, can push a button and the golf cart would just follow you. The it's GPS. So the fairways oh, yeah, stay nice do. and, like, groomed. Yeah. The cart
3: stays over and then the caddies run back and forth to the Red cart club. and yeah. then they'll hit a button and it'll go up by the green, park behind the green.
1: It's a lot of fun.
2: Oh, that's dope.
1: And the fashion in Korea is insane. I heard there's, like, a rent the runway but for, like, golf clubs in Korea.
3: It's wild. The, those... Those like the malls. So there's like those, there's malls. And then on the first floor, it's like cosmetics and beauty and, and to be health. Grocery, second the floor. The fourth yeah. floor is like golf. Yeah. yeah. And there's every brand you could imagine, like side by side. It's a whole floor. Like think of like a big mall department store. Yeah. And there's like shop in shops. And then I just read something, or Erica was telling me something that like in Korea, it's spend like the most money on like mm-hmm. high end big time like goods or something and on golf yeah. so for like us as a brand it's like very good to so be Steve in Korea it, you know <laughs> in 2000 like in
0: 2013 Paris and Italy straight from the runway would always go it would go you know you know stay in Europe whatever probably go to New York LA be like the last place to get it Korea's getting right off the runway whether it be Fendi Louis Vuitton mm-hmm. you know wow. Givenchy everything because Korea was so big and um, what he was saying is have you ever been to Harrods in London mm-mm Okay. you know what barney's is like right like the mm-hmm. og barney's like six floors and everything mm-hmm. right so imagine that times a million except there's like you could be a good place where there's appliances it could be like alcohol and then you go and then like you said the fourth floor is all golf and it's like top tier like it's not, really
3: sports but it's like 80 yeah. percent golf yeah and I there's like a little hiking America, store like, yeah. there's like some like outdoor weird shit and so then you, and, and it's all golf
0: You've been to 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 the gallery in Chungdam, right? Mm-hmm. So this is like the nicest. This is the nicest one. Where like they have a Saint Laurent, they have every anything you could think of. The the highest of highest women's stuff, Alia, everything. And my boy showed me mabon in that one section, and I was man. That was like a super proud moment. I was like, yo, my boy it's has wild. arrived in the most lit, like the top tier. This That's is Chungdam's like the Rodeo Drive of 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 Korea. Like in Seoul, it's just like mm. it was. God, God. Hey, I gotta go, man. I gotta
2: make it over there.
0: <laughs>
1: Let's do True. a career trip. Asia's Cruise wild. Fine. We you just are. went
3: to, my wife's father was from Manila, so we went to Manila for Christmas, which was like crazy Catholic, <sighs> oh. uh, like Super. insane holiday. And I played Manila Golf Club and I played Walk Walk, and just a couple really fun courses there. And then we went to Indonesia and played golf. But my wife is very helpful in like Korea and Japan and, she she grew up here in beverly hills and then she when she was like 12 she moved for six years to manila so she skipped like teenage beverly hills life and went to manila and like went to international school and then moved back so yeah Bro, did she go to isa yeah in manila
0: how old is erica
3: 33. oh
0: my wife went to isa she went to high school and that's crazy in manila yeah. I never knew that dude. They
3: probably know, you know. Yeah, same it's people. It's so wild like so now like when we were just there like her dad's friend is like the president is not like he's the president of Manila and it's just like the craziest wow. place where like I was I put on Instagram like I want to play, you know, Manila Golf Club and I just put it on my Instagram and then people start hitting me up but then I played with like a governor and uh senators and stuff yeah like a congressman but that wasn't from the family's relationship that was just from like people following on Instagram and they're like I can get you on Manila Golf Club Manila Golf Club is like positioned around Augusta so it's like white caddy suits and it's right in Manila with skyscrapers like Oh, it's
0: right outside the fort, the area.
3: Yes, exactly. It's yeah. right outside that, sh- that lie, Shangri-La. at The fort. Yeah, the you fort. can see it from the window. Yeah. So that's why when I checked Whoa. in, I saw it. And so I'm like taking pictures. I'm like, oh, who, who can get me on Manila Golf Club? And I got on. But they were telling me where like Obama's been trying to play there for like his entire life. But with Secret Service, it's like an impossible mission to get him on because there's skyscrapers like uh, all the way around the course. Yeah. yeah. So they would have to like empty every, you know, place. But it's trippy golf in Asia. But the wild thing is like playing here and growing up here. And then you go there and play. But it's like, Jared, like you in your head, you're like, oh, it's going to be different. It's like the exact same. Mm. It's like the, it's the exact same. Like your rangefinder works. It's like just nothing changes at all. The, the caddies that are with you, like we might not speak the same language, but they'll like line the ball up. And then they use their putter to tell you how far it's going to break. So they'll be like. You know, it's going this way, and then they'll hold the putter, and they'll be like.
1: Oh, that's okay. You know what I
3: mean? Or like one putter. Like that's it's going to break pretty, yeah. a ton or one yeah. grip. Yeah. Like one grip left.
1: Yeah.
3: And then they'll set the ball up with the line. When they mark the ball and clean it, they set it back
2: up perfectly on line. just walk up and pot. Season know. two of part three, we are going... <laughs> To Asia. Uh, we're going to Asia. <laughs> buying to real estate. Buying real estate. We're playing golf with Michelle We in Korea. We're going to have live interviews from the course. Yeah. Season <laughs> two, of part three. Um, Michelle, so, you know, when you
0: think about your career in the LPGA, or PGA as well, if there's anything you could have did differently, like, what would it be?
1: I definitely would have listened to my body more when I was going through injuries. I would have taken more time. Um instead of rushing it. So I felt like it just really added onto one another. That gave me a lot of anxiety too, like playing through pain, because I just got to the point where I look at a ball, and I'm like, oh, this is going to really hurt. So I wish I had taken longer periods off. Again, I don't really have that many regrets because I feel like my mistakes taught me the things I needed to learn, um, and my downs taught me what I needed to learn. So really, I don't have regrets besides... Just stop. I wish I wasn't as stubborn and just listen to my body more. That's that
0: Korean stubbornness. Yeah. But, you know, for all the people who are beginning golfers that listen to that, I mean, I don't even know much about injuries except having, like, back pain because I'm old. But, like, like, what's a, what, was a com- what was the most common injury, like, during, during tour? Like? Well,
1: it was funny because I didn't—a lot of my injuries didn't come from golf. And that was, like, the hardest thing to wrap my head around. It was just, like, weird freak accidents. Like, I would um, step in a hole and, like, deteriorate my ankle. Like weird stuff like that, or my, you know, I would, I fell. So when I went on a trip to Stanford when I was after just after I turned pro when I was seventeen, um, I was working out with the team and I did backward like reverse sprints or when you run backwards, I'm very unathletic. I should never do that. I <laughs> fell, and I shattered my left wrist. I like broke three bones in my left wrist.
3: From running backwards? And then your whole career, your yeah. left wrist was an issue, My whole, right? yeah. I remember seeing you with, like, tape on yeah. it. So, I used to tape yeah, it all so, uh,
1: And I didn't know what an orthopedic surgeon was at that point, so I went to my pediatrician in, at, you know, at, in Hawaii, and they put me in a cast where I should have done, like, a lot more probably, and I took off the cast way too soon, actually fractured my hand even more after that, yeah. and it's just my wrist was never the same. And um, it was your left
3: wrist, right? My left wrist. Which is, then, like, takes 90% yeah. of the shock.
1: Then I was in a car accident, um, you know, which really hurt my neck. You know, I had to have surgery on my right hand because of that. So, like, it was never—I never got a golf injury.
2: Mm. It was
1: always, like, really freak accidents, which made made it a lot harder to, you know, stop playing. So, I'm like, wait— and it would always happen. I guess my one golf injury, but it was a freak accident. After I won the U.S. Open, I play in this tournament, um, and I was my ball was stuck in a divot, like a really bad divot. And I try to hit out of it, and my club just hit the ground and didn't go forward. And I actually fractured my hand from that. Mm. So then I was like, I was playing so well, I'd win, I'd won two times that season so far, and then I hurt my wrist in June or in no, July, right after the U.S. Open. And I didn't play for three months after that, and it was just like. It was really hard because yeah. I'm like, okay, like I, it, my mind couldn't comprehend why I was getting these injuries. You know, and and that's you were, why I like, was ready yeah. to go. Exactly, I was ready to go, and, and then, then just like sit home yeah. for
3: 120 days. And The next
1: days. season, Great. I was playing in Canada, and I was five shots off the lead on Sunday, and then I got had to get my appendix taken out that day.
2: Oh <laughs> what that
3: <laughs> day.
1: Yeah, a funny story, actually. So I was five shots off the lead. And, um, you know, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to charge. And all of a sudden, I was struggling with colitis that year. I got sick in Mexico when we were playing, ended up getting colitis. It was a long story. Yeah, up I went to the ER like every week. Um, and then I was like, okay, it's probably just colitis again. You know, in a foreign country, I'm just gonna go to the ER and hopefully they'll give me some meds, some painkillers, and and be out. Text my caddy, he's like, hey, I'm just gonna go straight to the golf course. I'm not gonna tee. I'm warm up. I just gotta go. My dad's bringing my contacts and like just I'm gonna go from the hospital. I'm ready to go. Doctor's like, you're not going anywhere. <laughs> he's like, you're not going anywhere for a while. I'm like, what do you mean? And I was like, can I fly back to America to get my surgery? He's like, no, you're getting your appendix taken out here in Canada. And I'm like, okay. So. So you had to withdraw. Or what? Like- so I had to withdraw. And then our tours, like uh, the rule official was like, hey, you have to like, (laughs) they told my caddies like, hey, we had this like weird rule. They changed it, but it was like this weird nuance where it was like, "Oh, she has to be on site to withdraw." Oh. Wow. And my caddy's like, she's literally on an operating <laughs> yeah, table. Yeah, like that's
2: not gonna work. <laughs> yeah. I don't think. Is it the caddy Matthew? You? Funny to is me, man. Is it man. the guy Matthew?
3: Makes me yeah. No, no, no. I, at that I,
1: time, was it Matt? Else.
3: No, Matt? No, it was Matt. Yeah. I still see him. <laughs> yeah. And like I follow him
0: on Instagram. <laughs> yeah. I met him at Wilshire with
3: you He's guys. He's the best. Matt's the
1: best. My caddy's the best. I lied.
0: One last question. Why would you hit that deer, man? At Pebble Beach, man.
1: I did hit the deer. Tiger hit the deer. Oh, it was Tiger that hit the deer? Yes, I threw Tiger into the bus. It wasn't me. It was Tiger that hit the deer. I almost hit a deer. <laughs>
0: did you see that video? No, They're, never
3: te- seen they're,
1: it.
0: they're hitting balls. That's spyglass, right? And, and Yeah, and she was literally, I thought it was you.
1: That's right, the comment.
0: Yeah, she hits the ball. I don't know what. There was an iron, and boom, there was a deer right there. The t- Tiger hit her.
1: <laughs> Tiger hit the deer. I didn't hit the deer. But okay, to everyone's defense, there are maybe like a hundred deer on that range. And it's foggy. And it's foggy. Yeah. But we're not aiming for the deer. No, no, like, you everywhere out there. There. But yes, I threw tires in the bus. He
0: hit the deer. Not <laughs> <me>. <laughs> Steve, anything you want to ask before we wrap up? When are you coming back to Pebble?
1: Hopefully soon. U.S.
3: Open? Will you be there?
1: I will be there for the, I'm playing the U.S. For the Open. Women's. Yeah. Yeah. There it
3: and is. And there we have it. <laughs> U.S. Women's Open. That's good.
1: That's yeah. exciting, right? Yeah. Yeah. Pebble. I'm excited. Michelle, thank you so for much Thank having me, guys This was so much fun Absolutely. Congrats really appreciate on it
0: really appreciate such it
1: Such an amazing set and show And I hope you guys have so many more cooler guests than me No, 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 no. no. You're,
0: you're the goat You're so the goat sure, you're the now goat we, That's it, guys now Michelle Wee, legend G.R. <laughs> Smith Stephen Maubin Korean John Daly That's another episode <laughs> right there, part three We're out of here, y'all